to that last verse, listen to this. Without the music, listen to these words very carefully. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. I want that sink in for a moment. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. See, the plan of God has always been His plan from beginning to whenever you want to call from, from as far that way as you can to as far that way. It's always been the same plan. Before the world was ever created, the plan was in place to be executed according to His purpose. Oh, the love. And that's why that plan was put in place, for love. The love that God has for His people, His chosen people. Those for whom He would send His Son to become flesh and sacrifice Himself because those that He has loved could not honor the law that needed to be honored. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Jesus Christ is all grace. All grace is Jesus Christ. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. Think about that for a moment. I've said this many a times, how, how we can't even comprehend what that means for God to humble Himself and become flesh. He is so holy that you and I can't even understand what that holiness truly is. How deep it truly is. Oh, we can't understand this because of His Word that we can't be in the presence of that holiness because He can't be in the presence of sin. Oh, for the grace of God that He sent His only begotten Son. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Amen. I'd like you to ask you to join me in your Bibles, if you would, to the first epistle of Peter. Peter chapter 2, please. I told the dear folks that are able to be here for Sunday morning Bible study, we've been following Peter for about two and a half years now. We began when the Lord walked by Peter on the seashore and He said, come follow me. And Peter got up left everything that was it left everything followed God followed the Lord Jesus Christ and we took it from that point we went all the way through the uh, 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 I think we started in Matthew and it's been so long ago now I don't remember all the books that we covered but we covered all the places where it talks about Peter till we finally got to Peter's letter to the saints to God's elect we have a little bit of an idea what all the things that Peter had gone through you know, some, of, some of us can go through years of coming to church on Sunday morning and, and not hear of all the things that Peter went through because messages can skip around at times and you may miss what Peter's going through over here or whatever we followed it through and we were able to see the things that God brought Peter through so that when Peter sat down and penned the words in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he, when he penned these two letters he had not only the inspiration of the Spirit leading him what to say, he had the experience that he had been through in the flesh. 
Paul, all of God's men are the same thing. I come to you today with experience in what I've gone through to where I'm at right now. Paul did the same thing. He, he was able to relate to the experience before the Lord uh, called him out of darkness. Have you ever taken a moment to consider the wonder of our God's, our great God's creation? Oh, the ice fields of Canada. That is some beautiful stuff. Kevin and his wife were able to go down to Yosemite here not too long ago for their anniversary. Pictures just cannot do justice. Standing there at the bottom of El Capitan or on top of uh, 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 the dome, the big half dome, standing on top of that. I've never been to the top of that, but he went to the top, him and Kimberly. <sighs> Pictures don't do justice with it. The lands, the seas, I can sit and watch the waves of an ocean for hours. Just sit on the beach and watch the waves slap. Same spot, don't move, just sit there and watch it. Beautiful. The elements, the different. Climates that move through an area, storms, heat waves, the rule of all the natural things, rain, sun, wind, snow, all these things that a great and wise God created going together to supply our needs. I've told our congregation this many a times, some of you may have not have heard this before, but everything in creation when the Lord said let it be and all the stars were there when he who is God said let it be and the earth became the earth and man came to the earth he created man out of the dust of the earth all these things that the Lord has done throughout all the time before you and I have walked this earth was so that you and I would be exactly where we were when the Lord called us out of darkness so that we would be exactly where we are this evening. You see, the Lord of Scriptures is the Lord of all. There's no accidents. There's no maybes. His purpose shall be done. That's why we call Him God. Anything less than that, you could not call Him that. But we can take it a step further than the, uh, the creation, can't we? Have you ever stopped to consider the wonders of this body? This body that the Lord has created so that our soul would uh, be sustained. Have a place to be. We have eyes, ears, nose, and tongue. We see the beautiful colors of the rainbow. The blue sky, the green meadows. We hear the beautiful songs of the bird. The babbling of the brook. I like that one. Having a window right there and that thing running next door to us over here, that little creek. Oh, that's such a nice way to sleep. The babbling of the brook. The sound of the wind. We smell the sweet flowers. Those roses that Judy left behind when they, her and Jean moved back east 
Kathy's been able to keep them up and they just, oh, they smell so good. Right there in front of the uh, front room window, uh, when the breeze blows, it just comes right in the house. The smell of the sweet flower, the fresh fruit, the air after a good rain. Oh, what a sense we have with all these. But there's one more. One more I'd like you to consider. The sense of taste. You all know I like pie. Well, it's not really pie. It's the taste of pie. Sweet. I love sweet pie. The taste of seasoned, good seasoned steak. You know? All of these senses that I've just described, I hope you understood I've described them in a sense of experience. Man who's blind has never had the experience of seeing a blue sky, has he? One who has no taste. My, my, my dad, Calvin Ellis, he had, he had no smell. He couldn't smell the flowers. I know people who are colorblind and can't see color at all. How can you, how can you experience seeing that if, if, you, if, you just, if, if you're blind? These senses are things that we experience. And tasting is the same thing. It's an experience. I experience chocolate. Okay, okay. I experience all kinds of food. And you, you know, you know, you know I do. And our great Creator in all of His wisdom, in all that exists, inspired the prophet to write these words. Are you with me in Second or First Peter chapter 1? Chapter 2, I'm going to get it right. 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 3 with me if you would. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted if you have tasted if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious oh what wonderful words tasted grace you could put it down this way if so be ye have experienced grace what a wonder of his great wisdom my thoughts are drawn to this chapter this first chapter of Peter or the second chapter of Peter, and I want to consider for just a moment the picture that our Lord has given us in these words using the expression of tasted. You see, there are many who talk about the grace of God. If you go down to Sacramento and pull up the word grace before any kind of religious organization, you'll find thousands of churches that call themselves grace this, grace that, grace whatever, first grace this, I'm not going to say all of them because I don't know that. But everyone that I've ever been in is nothing more than a goat barn. It has nothing to do with grace. Do we understand what grace truly means? In order for us to see the picture of the importance of tasting grace, experiencing it, you have to know 
what it is not to have it first. What it, what, in order to have grace and experience the greatness of it, you have to know what it is not to have it first. A lot of people talk about grace, but they have no idea that the word grace means unmerited favor. And if that's still too hard to understand, it means this, you can't do anything, you can't purchase it, you can't work for it. It's something that's given to you just because the person giving it to you wanted to. Just because the one that gives it loved to give it. And God is a gracious God and loves to give grace to His people. Effectual grace. Not a grace that depends on man to do something because that would make it not grace, right? That would mean that he would be obligated to give you that grace. Isn't that what that means? If man could do something for it, if man could get in this baptismal behind me here and say, okay, I've, I, God, you got to give me your grace now, then it wouldn't be grace anymore. It would be something you'd had to earn. And you can do anything, you can put anything you want in that as far as the baptismal is concerned. Some want you to come down to the front of the aisle. Others want you to pray a certain prayer. Some want you to count some beads. Some want you to go into a little box and talk to a guy all dressed funny. Tell him what you did wrong today so he can say your sins are absolved. Put whatever you want there. Whatever you put there will tear, will take the word grace and throw it out the window. Have you tasted the grace of God? Do you desire the sincere milk of the word? Have you tasted the sweet savor? of God's graciousness to His people. Hear the words of Matthew 11.25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. In the book of Luke, Mary is singing a song of praise to her Savior for His goodness to her. And she cries out in Luke chapter 1, verse 53, He hath filled the hungry with good things. He hath filled the hungry with good taste. Grace. Newborn babies have but one desire, don't they? sweet milk of the mother. What do babies do? They eat and sleep. And maybe one other thing, but we won't mention that here. They love the sweet, the sweet taste of the mother's milk. Verse 1 in chapter 2, it says, we read these words, wherefore. Now this is to point us, you and I, to what was just said in chapter 1. So let's go back over to verse 1 of chapter 1 of this epistle, and I pray that the Lord will give me this remaining time, and that He might be pleased to satisfy our taste with His Word. Are you with me in chapter 1 of Peter? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers, God's people, those who are strangers in the land. 
Why are they strangers? Because we're not counting on ourselves. The Lord has taken us and shown us that we are unworthy of anything and that everything He gives us is by His grace. What makes us different to the world that we walk in? We believe God. We believe who He is. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. We believe what He's done. In grace, He came to this world and walked perfectly for each and every one of His people. And then He went to the cross. God told, or Abraham told his son, when his son asked him, Father, we have the, we have the wood, we have the fire, where's the sacrifice? He goes, God will provide Himself. That's what Jesus Christ is. Himself, God, being provided as the sacrifice for God's people. The perfect blood of God shed on that cross a little over 2,000 years ago is the reason why God the Father can look on you and I, sinners. He looks upon us and He sees the righteousness of His Son. The perfect obedience of His Son in going to the cross and shedding His blood for us. You get in the picture of grace? This is something you can't do. In your sinfulness, you can go to any cross you want. It's not going to do any good because you're full of sin. From the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, we're full of sin. Nothing. We have nothing before a thrice holy God to offer. Nothing to give. I need a Savior. Do you? There is one. His name is Jesus, for He shall save His people. And that's a word that cuts out any maybes, any mights, any possibilities. He shall save His people. Continuing on. Strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then He goes into verse 2 and He says, Elect, called out, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter is addressing God's people. He's addressing Israel. The called, as it said in Romans 8, the chosen from before the foundation of the world, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1. They were scattered about the land going through much trials just as it is today. Is there anyone here who has a trial? Do you have a loved one who knows not the Lord? I have many. That's a trial. Do you have any sin in this flesh that you walk in in this earth? If you say you have no sin, you call God a liar. I need a Savior. Do you? Robert Hawker wrote this about what we just read there in first and the first and second verses. He said, Reader, 
Now, I love the way he puts his words. I don't change anything that he says to make you know bring it up to the new stuff. Reader, the oftener I read this precious verse, the more my soul becomes impressed with the sublime truths contained in it. Were there ever a form of words chosen or can be chosen to express the plainest and most powerful truths that are here that by here are used, both to show and manifest the existence of three distinct personalities of the Godhead and their dis- distinct office characters as revealed to the church of God in Christ? What can more fully prove the joint operation of the Holy Three in One by way of defining their distinct personality? And at the same time of doing that, at the same time of that, what more fully show their oneness in the essential nature and design and their merciful tendencies to the church. End of quote. Now, is not the Lord gracious to call any? Why would the Lord call any? Because He's gracious. He's gracious to those that He loves. He's gracious to you and I. Though we deserve not. And He's gracious for one reason. For His sake of His Son, the Lord Jesus. The Lord is merciful. He has mercy on whom He will have mercy, as it says in Romans 9.18. His love is for this people. His love for this people is an eternal love. It's an everlasting love. It's a love that cannot be turned. And Peter wastes no time to declare the Gospel in the beginning of this letter, right here out in front. First we see that God, God the Father chose a people He chose them in His Son before the foundation of the world. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Mark your spot in Peter. We're going to come back to it. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Don't take John's word for anything. Be as the Bereans. Check the Word of God and make sure whoever it is that stands before you preaching whatever it is they're preaching is of the Word of God. God the Father chose a people in His Son before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1. And an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He hath chosen us in Him, in Christ, God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him. Having predestined, In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. What else did it say back here in Peter? It said we have sanctification of the Spirit. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I thought I had that already. Where'd it go?
We have sanctification of the Spirit. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reading verses 9-11. through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamous, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, or nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he went through that whole list. Whether you be all of that list or part of that list, it doesn't matter because all you have to do is be one little inkling and you've sinned against God. And it doesn't matter if you cover the whole thing, it's still the sin against God. The cost is the same. Death, blood. And such were some of you. But, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Through the obedience of Christ, back in our text again, we see just quickly there, again we see by the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, His own blood on the cross being sprinkled on the mercy seat. And by the way, our Lord Jesus is that mercy seat. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're checking the Word. We're making sure the man that stands before you speaks the Word of God according to the Word of God and by the truth of God. We worship our Lord in spirit and in truth. Not in what we want God to be, but what He is. <coughs> Who He is. What He's done. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 14-17. through 17. For by one offering, this is talking about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. The obedience of Jesus Christ. Didn't that blow you away? Our Lord had to learn obedience. Now people think that we have to, teach, we have to be taught obedience in a certain way, don't we? I don't know about you folks, but when I was a little child, my dad taught me with obedience with a big old black thing called a belt. Or even if it was really needed to be taught it was go out to the willow tree and get me a willow get me a switch and if I came back with anything less than this size it would be twice the beaten I learned and I was I was really I had to be taught a lot our Lord had to be taught he had to learn obedience because God doesn't need to obey anybody Obedience was something that was not part of being God. He's God. Who's He going to obey? The Lord Jesus Christ obeyed everything that the Father sent Him here to do. All that the Father gave Him. All that the Father had Him come here to do, He did. And God the Father was pleased with His Son. That's important to know that. He was pleased with His Son because when He went to that cross and laid down His life and shed His blood for us, God the Father was pleased with that blood. He was satisfied. His justice was satisfied because Christ took that justice upon Himself. What you and I should have been judged for, He was judged for. Even though He never sinned. Even though there was never any sin in Him, He was made sin for us. 
that we would be made the righteousness of God in Him. Continuing on there. For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that He had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds. Will I write them? And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more because of the blood of Jesus. Back in our text, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look with me at verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, abundant grace, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our Lord could not be held by death, he has the keys to everything. He's the Lord of everything. Everything above the earth, everything on the earth, and everything under the earth. He's Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. It bothers me when men say, well, I believe in the Lord, and they call Him Lord. I, I believe He's given me a, a will to choose Him when I want to. I believe He's given me the ability to make the decision above His. I believe that He's given me the right to rule over Him when it comes to me. That's making ourselves gods. That's what the devil was talking about when he was talking to Adam and Eve. And ye shall be as gods, little gods thinking that you have power over God to make a decision. The Lord of Scripture is Lord of everything. And salvation is of the Lord and the Lord alone. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You, those for whom He laid down His life, those for whom He shed His blood. Look at verse 5. For who, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Does not our cup runneth over when we see the mercies and the grace of God for you and I? Does not our cup runneth over as we see His mercies our Lord has bestowed upon us through His Son, the Christ, the Lord Jesus? What a hope. What are we, what, imagine the hope people might have in their own works. I'm such a better person now. I can't even imagine what that's like because since the Lord called me out of darkness, I see the depth of the sin of this flesh. Things that go through my mind that I would never... I don't even admit them to my wife. I'm so ashamed of them. I see the unworthiness. And this is the picture of all God's children. 
We are all brought to the point that we see our unworthiness, our need of grace. This is how you taste grace. By knowing how much you need it. And seeing the graciousness in God and giving it to us when we don't deserve it. That's why the writer can write, He's my only hope. I got no hope in this flesh. I got no confidence in anything I can do. Everything I do is tainted with sin, but everything my Lord has done for me, every part of salvation has been done by my Lord for me. Because He loves me, and through His grace and mercy, He has given it to me. What a hope. A hope that rests in that power, that very power that we saw there in verse 5, that we are kept by the power of God. There are those, now I want to, I'll try not to be too long with this, but I was hoping they would be here tonight, but I was told that there's a church over in Gardnerville that preached pretty much everything that we preach here, except for one thing. And it was the one thing that stood out to this couple and bothered them by it and caused them to call their mom down in San Diego and say, we can't go to that church anymore and there's nothing else we can find up here. Mom said, hey, there's somebody down to rescue. Go down there. They came here and the first time they came here, they walked out saying, this is our church. We'll be back next Sunday. You'll get a chance to meet them. I'm sure they'll be here. They have motels over here in Cameron Parks young couple from Tahoe. She said that the one thing that bothered me about it was they talked about something called progressive sanctification. And I'm like, oh. Uh-oh. There it goes. Folks, if somebody comes to you and starts trying to tell you that you've got... Now, oh, now you're saved. But now you've got to start doing this. Now you've got to start doing that. If you're not doing that, you need to question whether you're saved or not. If you're not doing that, you need to do this. You need, if you, somebody comes to you and starts telling you that you need to do something, get into God's Word and get away from that person. And find out that all of God's Word is about grace. Are there things that we're supposed to do? Absolutely. But that's between God and you. And you'll find out when He brings you down to the fine tax, you can't do any of it. I can't. None of the other saved people I've talked to have been able to. But my Lord has done it already. And He does it for me every day. He makes intercession for me even though I can't do it right now. How can I make anything perfect when it's already been made perfect by my Lord? That's grace. That's tasted grace. That's grace that you can grab a hold of and mmm, that's even better than chocolate. We rest in that power that we read about keeping us from falling, holding us up as an anchor holds the ship. It's held by the very we are held by the very power of God. Look at verses six and eight through eight. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ, 
Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I love to sing about grace. I love to preach about grace. I love to tell others about the graciousness that God has for His people. The graciousness that God has for me. The Apostle Paul writes this. Actually, I don't know why that is in there. Now look over verses 18. I had to put four messages together in four days, so... I think I just got part of Sunday's message in mixed in with today. Look over verses 18 and we'll wrap this up pretty quick here. I want to read verses 18 through chapter 3, or verse 3 of chapter 2. Right back to where we were at the beginning. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold... From your vain conversation received by the tradition by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Now I've been saying that since we started tonight's message. I've been telling you it was from before the world began. There's God's word proving it who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by Him do believe in God, who by who? By my own free will? No, by Him do believe in God. Faith is a gift of God, folks. If it was a gift, if it was something I could conjure up on my own, I'd boast about it. Who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with pure with a pure heart fervently, being born again not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, wherefore, all of those things that we just read, because of all those things, lay aside. Because of the grace of God, lay aside. Oh, how I wish I could lay aside how I could put it away out of my mind and never do it again. Lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. What is your desire? What is your need? Folks, I can tell you this, that if you belong to Christ, you can lean on the everlasting arms and they'll never let you go. Now look at verses 4-10 through 10 of this very same chapter 2. To whom? To whom? This very One who is gracious to whom as unto a living stone, disallowed, rejected by the world, turned away by the very world that we walk in, 
turned away by you and I at one time until the grace of God came to us and called us out of that darkness we walked in, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen, chosen of God and precious. Yea, also as lively stones are built up in the spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also, it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense unto them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There was a time we all were without God. We all walked in the darkness of this world. Yet in the day of His love, in the day of His power, through the preaching of His Word, the Word of truth, the child of the Most High is called out of that darkness. And the light and the glory of God is shed abroad in their hearts. A new heart. Ye must be born again. We are brought to believe His truths, though we once were dead and now we live. Look over Romans chapter 9 for a moment. Romans chapter 9. We'll leave Peter. Romans chapter 9. And read with me verses 25 through 26. Romans chapter 9, 25 through 26. As he saith also, uh, Ose, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which were not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Oh, to be called a child of the living God. Have you tasted His grace? Have you experienced the graciousness of the Lord? We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We are saved by grace. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8? We are saved by grace through faith. A gift of God, not of works, lest man should boast. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How are you going to call on somebody you've never heard of? If all you've ever heard is about a Jesus who wants. If all you've ever heard is about a Jesus who would like you to do this. If all you've ever heard is a Jesus with no power. Then how are you going to call on the true and living God who has all power in heaven and earth? How are you going to call on the one who you've never heard of? Folks, our Lord's yoke is easy. Why? Because the work is done 
Have you tasted His graciousness? Don't let those who know not grace tie you down with the yoke of works. Don't let those who know not grace bind you under the schoolmaster, the law. Our Lord has fulfilled the law for us. The law's purpose was to bring us to our Savior and His grace. If you've tasted the grace of God, then you will know faith. You will know what it is to believe. John 3.16 says, Whosoever believeth. Oh, how the world wants to take that and mean that it means every single soul. No, it doesn't. It means whosoever. It means whosoever. Only those that God gives the gift of faith to can be a whosoever. Do you believe God? Do you believe in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and laying down Himself for you? Let's, let's look at one more thing, if you would. We've got, we've got just a moment. Luke chapter 24. And then I'll bring this to a close, I promise. Luke chapter 24. Two men were on the road to Emmaus and the Lord spent some time walking along with them. They didn't know who He was until He revealed Himself to them. And they were complaining about how they had presumed that God, that the Lord Jesus was going to be sitting on His throne there in Jerusalem and free them from the bondage of Rome. But He's gone now. Some women said that He arose, but what happened? Verse 25, Then He said unto them, the Lord Jesus Christ, He said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses, after saying those things, our Lord did this, He began at Moses. The four books that Moses was inspired to write and all the prophets, not just Moses, all of the Old Testament prophets. And He expounded. He, he explained. He taught unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Now I want you to go down to uh, verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they knew Him. And He vanished out of their sight. Now listen, here's the result of a child of God who's had the grace of God shine in their hearts, revealing Jesus Christ and His grace. And their eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished out of their sight and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us, while He explained to us, while He talked to us, while He revealed these truths to us, in Scriptures. Tasted grace brings one result. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen.